You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avzan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Schul here on Soul to Soul, the Farbringen Show. And we are less than just over 24 hours away from Purim, so hopefully today will be a Purim Energy, um, a Purim Energy show. And we should have hopefully a show that brings joy and, you know, a good thought, but most importantly, just happiness and perm spirit. But I actually want to start off with uh, one of my favorite songs. It's called Oi Rebbe, and it's sung by Jonathan Scheinfeld here on 101.9 Chai FM, and let's go from here. You're listening to The Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. Purim. 24 hours from now, we'll begin the incredible Chag of Purim, the holiday that we celebrate the miracle of Jewish salvation, where about 2,300 years ago, we were being threatened by annihilation by the Persians, the Persian kingdom. And a character named Haman tried to kill us, together with uh, the buy-in of the king of Hashverosh, a miracle of miracles just happened to be that the wife of the king was Jewish. Her name was Esther, Queen Esther, and through her intervention, the Jews were saved and they lived happily ever after. That is the bite-sized story. But like we know in most bite-sized stories, if you start chewing it, it gets a little richer. You know, when people eat... Some of us have a tendency, we swallow the food very, very quickly. And sometimes it means you, you, you could even choke on your food, but usually what it means is you're not full because you actually didn't chew your food. The food didn't even go through, <laughs> digest normally, so you're just swallowing it and then you think you're still hungry, but actually had you taken the time to chew it and digest it in a normal manner, chances are you wouldn't need so much. And I find that the same way is with information, with stories, with learning. That sometimes we're like, yeah, yeah, just throw the information at me. Of course, of course, of course. Let me go to a lecture. Let me hear four hours worth of material. Stuff it down my brain. And now what? How much, how full do I feel? How much do I remember? How much do I internalize? And really the goal of um, learning and the goal of a fabring and what we're trying to do over here is to take one idea and really dissect it in a way that we can break it down and hopefully be able to digest it. Whether we agree or disagree with the idea, we have to take the idea and allow it to settle. Very often what we do is the second we hear a word that we don't like, we right away throw back and we say, no, no, I disagree. So, you know, think of an atheist and religious person arguing, and the second the religious person hears the word, um, I don't know, there's no God, and they suddenly, like, shut down, and the other per- the atheist hears the word creation and creationism, and suddenly, okay, no, 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 the conversation's over. But to really have a discussion, it's about listening and really allowing the idea to percolate whether we agree or not. So here's an idea that I think is a very subtle and powerful idea and worthy of discussion. The Perm story seems to be the kind of story that you can read two ways. Either God is in charge, God made it that Esther would be the queen, God arranged that Vashti, the first queen, would be killed, God made it that Mordechai would be able to save the king's you know, life. 
God made it that the king was having nightmares at some stage of the story and he couldn't sleep and then suddenly he's told about the story that Mordechai saved him, etc., etc. And I really encourage you, if you don't know the Purim story, it's all over the internet, it's all over the, the books, it's in the Bible, it's in the 24 books of the canon of our, of our Torah. Um, Megillas Esther, read it's an incredible, incredible story, even without the commentaries, just a simple text, you know, translated into English. It's a fascinating tale. But I want to delve on the point that option A of reading the story is everything is God. Option B is there is no God in the story. And actually, we're given that option because if you open up the Megillah, if you open up the book, you'll realize God's name's not mentioned even once. And the rabbis teach us that one can choose to read the entire story of Megillus Esther, of the Purim miracle, without seeing God's hand. Or they can choose to see God's hand in everything. So if you choose to avoid the God's hand, you read the story like this. Yeah. There was a drunk king who killed his wife because of his minister, and then there was a drunk king, in the words of the Talmud, who killed his minister because of his wife. Later on, he killed Haman because of Esther. Earlier, he killed Vashti because of Haman. It just happened to be Mordechai knew 70 languages, so when he heard two people plotting to kill the king, he just happened to overhear it and informed his cousin Esther, who just happened to be the queen, that she should save the king's life, and the king wrote it down in the book of Chronicles. It all happens to be, it's all happenstance, it's all circumstantial. What you call circumstantial evidence. You know, you go into a court of law, and you sit there saying, do you have real evidence? Do you have DNA? So the, the Purim story is not DNA. If a person wants to choose to believe the story that it's God's not involved, they could very much play the game of circumstantial evidence. Yeah, circumstantial, okay, fine, you know. It doesn't happen that often that the queen of, of the Persian king happens to be a pious Jewish woman. I agree, but it's still circumstantial. And if you had to argue for the Purim story in a court of law, that it's God's hand, you might not win, because circumstantial evidence is always a touch and go. What will the jury accept? Versus if you have, I don't know, splitting of the sea at Passover, eh, that's pretty uh, godly. As much as, you know, various uh, pseudoscientists over the past few hundred years have tried to come up with some wacko explanations how it's possible that the water split and stayed split while the Jews crossed the Nile, crossed the Red Sea, pretty much we can all agree that if you had strong evidence that the sea was split, then you could pretty much say God did it. Uh, that is solid evidence. There's DNA on the scene, or the giving of the Torah, the Ten Commandments from heaven. DNA on the scene. Hanukkah story, the, the, the candles lit for eight days instead of one. That's like real miracles. You can't really negotiate it. Or Sukkot, um, the, the, the holiday where we commemorate the clouds that surrounded us in the desert. Again, it's, it's there. It's, it's a straight out God miracle story. However, when it comes to Purim, it's all circumstantial evidence. You cannot prove it in the court of law that this is God's miracle. And that is what makes Purim such an incredible holiday. One of the things. Because Purim is the one that connects the most to our lives. Most of us in our lifetime don't see water split. Most of us don't see Sinai experiences. Most of us are not surrounded with clouds, and I would say all of us, 
for all of the above. But maybe there might be some people that do see, you know, clear miracles. Most of us live in the world of Purim, where things happen, and then you have to sit there dissecting and saying, one second, it's all circumstantial. Just happens to be I bumped into my friend I haven't seen in 10 years. Just happens to be I bumped into the girl I'll end up marrying, and we built a family together. But did God get involved? Is there God? Is there no God? Is there hashkachah pratis? Is there a personal and divine providence and intervention in every single thing that goes on? I don't know. It's up to discussion. You can think about it. In the words of the Talmud, lekan lekan, you could go both ways. You can sit there saying, there is validity to the argument and there's validity to the other argument. You can't prove. And as you know, many debates of whether God's existence has uh, has come up, and that is, you can't absolutely prove, according to DNA evidence, that God exists, and you can't disprove it. That's the, that's the fascinating thing about the, the whole faith discussion. You can't prove or disprove. And the same thing with the Purim story. You can't prove me, without the shadow of a doubt, scientific doubt, you can't prove me that God did the miracle, and you cannot prove me that he didn't. And that is exactly what our day-to-day looks like. Do I know that God is involved in my life today and sends certain things over to me? I, I believe so. Can I prove it? No. And that is where faith is so powerful. Because if faith was coming from a sense of factual and DNA evidence, then that's not faith. That's science. Okay, the science shows that your blood was on the knife that stabbed X, whether the knife was in their throat, case closed. That is not the kind of evidence that we deal with every single day to find God in our life, because if there was, then there would be no free choice. If there was literally straight out DNA, straight out evidence in front of our eyes of God's existence, then is there really a discussion? However, living in a world in which there's circumstantial evidence, each and every one of, each and every one of us then goes on a journey to discover, is God in my life? Is he involved? Is he not involved? Is he in charge? Is he not in charge? And that's the discussion that really Purim calls out to us to ask ourselves, how do we read our own story? How do we read the Purim story? How do we read reality? Do we see it as a bunch of circumstances and a bunch of coincidences? Or do we say, this is God's hand, Yad Hashem, this is God's hand involved in every single thing? What do you think? 34519 is our SMS number. 0618951019 is our WhatsApp. Feel free to be part of the conversation. My name is Rabbi Levi Afsin, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Chul, and this is the Maccabees Purim song. Raise your glass here on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Afsin on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Apsen, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Chul here on Soul to Soul, and we're talking today about the Purim story, how Purim calls upon us to dissect our lives and ask ourselves, am I seeing true reality or not? What am I choosing to see in my life? What am I choosing? 
many of us, most people in, to, in today's world, most people in the West, will say that they believe in God. And that's a very vague statement. What does it mean you believe in God? Do you believe God created the world? Do you believe that God manages the world? Do you think that God supervises the world? Do you think that he orchestrates everything? Do you think he's a bystander? Etc. The, the, the question, do you believe in God, is actually quite a vague question, um, even if you answer yes. I mean, if you answer no, then it's a pretty simple answer. I don't believe in anything. Um, but when you say yes, yes what? What do you believe? What What is God? When did something create him? Since when is he here? How involved is he? Is he just a creator of a program and then watches how the program self-destructs? Is he part of what's going on in our world today? Is he, does he deserve credit or blame? Credit when things go right, blame when things go wrong, etc., etc., etc. And what's fascinating is that there's so many answers to this question. Um, not only within Judaism, but within, like, when you talk to people, it's a very, very complex question. And specifically when you start getting and saying how involved is God, let's take the premise God created the world. Let's take the premise that he is supervising that's not non-negotiable. And let's take the premise that he's somewhat involved. The question is, how involved is he? And how much does the human being have to contribute to that? And here comes the very famous expression that you hear a million times, and that is, God helps those who help themselves. Which is, like most um, simplistic statements, very simplistic, because sometimes God doesn't help those who help themselves, and sometimes he helps those who don't help themselves. Um, like it says in the verse, Shomer Psaim Hashem. Sometimes Hashem saves the fools. Hashem watches over the fools who actually can't help themselves. So, <laughs> again, like most statements, it's it's very simplistic, and we try to, you know, squeeze all the truth into an, a one-liner, and rarely does truth fit into a one-liner, and that's just a perfect example. But how much is God involved in our lives? And how much do we need to partner? And usually people will gravitate to either one of the, the sides of the debate. So debate number one, let's call the very pious debate, is the very pious side. God's in charge. I just have to give myself over to him. I have to sit and be pious, and study, and learn all day, and God will take care of me. God will give me a decent marriage. God will give me healthy kids. God will give me what I need. I have to give myself over, and I could even quote verses, Hashlech al Hashem throw upon God all your issues and, and your package, and he will, he will support you. He'll take care of you. Great. So this pious attitude is very much just Hashem, just let go, let go of 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 the the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. God's in charge of everything. Just rely on Him. And that attitude has a very strong foundation, and it has a lot of followers within, you know, within monotheism, within faith, within Judaism. Then there's the other extreme. I'm talking about within the faith. I'm not talking about the extreme that says there is no God. Within the, the other side of the debate is, hey, listen, 
God helps those who help themselves. We got to do what we got to do. And please, God, God will help. But ultimately, I'm in charge of my destiny. I have to, you know, focus on what's going on. I have to be mindful. I have to keep my eye on the ball. I have to know what's going on in every area of my life. I have to be absolutely as much as I can in control of my surroundings, my decision making, and I have to, you know, be a, be an adult, be a, be a man, be a lady, just deal with it. Deal with life, get on with it, be big, stop being whiny, stop looking for solutions out there, deal with it. And then the, this side of the debate has a great story as well. So they'll, they'll sit there telling you the famous story about the, and I've heard the story so many times, I could, um, I could, actually say it in my sleep about the guy who's drowning and suddenly a helicopter comes and trying to save him and he says i'm relying on god and then a boat comes and says come you know onto the boat no god's gonna save me and finally somebody actually sticks his hand out and says come with me and he says no no god will save me and then he dies and comes to heaven and god says what's going on and he turns to god and says god you let me down i don't understand I said, God will save me, and he didn't. He says, what are you talking about? I sent you a boat, a helicopter, and I even got a person to stretch their hand out to you. And the point of the story often is that God, you know, obviously is involved, but just throwing your hands up and saying God will save you is ridiculous. It's pathetic. Go grab your opportunity, deal with it, and, you know, don't don't allow yourself to be a victim, etc. And like every debate, not every debate, sorry. Like many debates, there is so much truth in both sides. And that's where Perm comes and says, Perm says there is so much truth in both narratives. There's truth in the narrative that says that this whole Megillah story was God. And there's truth to the narrative that Esther needed courage, that she was courageous, and that Mordechai was courageous, and that the Jews came together and united. And there's truth to the narrative that if people did not stand up and rise to the plate, then not necessarily would the miracle happen because there's a tremendous partnership between Hashem and the human being, between God and the human being. It says regarding Shabbat, if somebody, you know, says a prayer on Friday night, it says, that person became a partner to God in creation. And this idea of shutfus, of partnership, is an incredible concept, and that is that God allows us to be a partner in this world. That ultimately, of course, everything is God and there's nothing else other than God. I'm a pure godliness and you're ple- pure godliness, and this microphone's pure godliness in the purest sense of the word, because if I'm a monotheist and I believe there's nothing other than God and God is everything, then this microphone can't be outside of God and I can't be outside of God and you can't be outside of God. But at the same time, there's the reality we live in in which we don't see godliness and that reality at some level is also true. And in that reality where not necessarily do we see everything in godliness and where we have to wake up in the morning and actually go on with our lives and have ambition and live and 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 dream and work hard and overcome our own per- weaknesses and our personality traits and character, etc. All those things are absolutely true at the same time that everything's God. And living in that paradox, living in that subtlety, 
in that complexity of, on the one hand, absolute faith that Hashem is going to take us where we need to go, and absolute faith that God is good and that whatever will happen will be good and God is, you know, pure goodness. And at the same time, not standing back, but rather doing what we have to do, helping, partnering, making a difference. If we can find at least somewhat of that balance in our life, that is true Judaism. That's true faith. That's true piety. That is what's called upon us. That at the same time we see a poor person, we pray for them at the same time we give them money and we give them food. Both are important. God, please help this person. They're struggling so much. But no, God, I'm not just going to throw it on you and sit there saying, hey, you made this person poor. You'll stop making them poor. No, I will deliver food to their door because they need to eat. And I am a physical being in a physical world. And in this physical reality, the mitzvah, the commandment of God is to make a physical difference, not just to scream faith. For our own issues, we have to do what we can and then we have to sit there relying on faith. But for somebody else's issues, we have to have a little less faith for them and more help. In the words of the great teachers, you know, for our own sorrows, for our own issues, we can justify it and we can give meaning to it. But for the other person's sorrows, for the other person's challenges, it's not our job to offer meaning or to offer justification or acceptance. No, we're there to help that person and do whatever we can. And when we challenge ourselves to embrace this paradox we uplift ourselves to such an incredible level we live in what it you know in the words of the megillah tomorrow night we read the megillah the the book of esther the book of purim and we call it megillas esther it's called the megillah of esther and the rabbis explain that megillah comes from the word gilui revelation esther comes from the the translation of haster hiding you reveal the hiding you're able to reveal what is hidden by absolute faith in god and at the same time absolute dedication to do what you can you live the megillus you reveal the incredible power within ourselves and the incredible godly power that means god wants us to work hard. God wants us to get up in the morning. God does not want us to just sit there praying all day. That's not the answer. Emunah does not only mean to to have faith and avoid life. Emunah means faith. Go into life and have faith within it. Don't avoid life and sit there saying, I call you there, everything will be okay. No, get involved. Go get a job and go do what needs to be done. You know, like uh, sit there talking to a person. Uh, the marriage is absolutely in shambles. So, so what's he, what are you going to do, Jack? Oh, God will help. Okay, he, he, chances are he might. But uh, how is God's help going to help your marriage? Well, you know, God's going to help. Obviously, God's already offering you help. He's offering you another day. He's offering you the courage to wake up and actually do something about the marriage. But what is going to be done is in your hands. God does not take away your free choice. And your choice, whether you're going to salvage your marriage or not, has very little to do with God's the choice. Obviously, God can do whatever he wants, but he created a world in which we have to choose.
So God's going to help? Please God. But usually marriages don't only get saved with God's help. They also get saved with a lot of human hard work. And yes, some people win the lottery and then that's the way they earn their money. But most of us, we have to work hard, many hours to earn, but at the same time with tremendous faith because we know that you could work a 100 hours a week and still not earn anything. Or even if we earn, the money could unfortunately be spent on things that we don't want to. That incredible calling to be a person of faith in this world, not on the mountaintop, not in, not 24 hours a day in the house of study, not in avoidance under the covers, but in life, that is one of the great lessons of Megillah's Esther, the story of Esther, and that is, yes, God wrote this narrative, but he also wrote a narrative in which human beings made a difference. This was not a sea split without any intervention. Everyone just looking and saying, oh, wow, the sea split. No, the Jews fasted for three days to repent. Esther had to go and overcome her inner fear of facing the king without permission, and she goes and, and, and faces it. Mordechai had to have the courage to not bow down to Haman while everybody else wanted, you know, when Haman wanted him to bow down. That partnership between God's miracles and our courage is the great partnership of Jewish history. And if we look at our lives, we will see so much of the hand of God. And we will also see so much of our own free choice, of our own courage. And in that, we discover the incredible, incredible gift of what it means to be a human being in a God's world. This is 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbrengen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. Purim. Purim is upon us an incredible, incredible Chag. This is Rabbi Levi Avzan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul. An incredible holiday is upon us, and that is the miracle of faith and the miracle of courage. I want to share now a story of faith. It's a story that I, I think I've shared it, uh, I don't know, half a dozen times over the years on the radio, and s- somehow there's this calling within me to share the story now. And the story goes about a certain individual who was very poor. He was impoverished, and he had younger, he had young girls, marriageable age, who needed to get married, and at that time, and unfortunately in our time as well, it's very hard to marry off a child without a dowry, without any money. And his wife would nag him and say, go, you have a brother in a nearby, in a faraway town in Germany. Travel there, go tell your wealthy brother who you haven't spoken to in 10 years that you need a, you need a few dollars and let him help you. And he says, nah, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, everything's going to be okay. And eventually, eventually, he relents. And she's so excited, finally their issue's going to be solved, and she hires a wagon to take him. 
And she packs his bags, and her husband is starting to climb onto the wagon. He puts one foot on the wagon, stops, meditates, gets off the wagon, and walks right back into the house. And his wife gives him a mapola. She gives it to him over the head. How dare you? What in the world is this? You finally agreed to go to your brother, and now you drop it, the whole thing. And he turns to her, and he says... I have three questions. Number one, is my brother still alive? Second of all, if he's alive, does he have money? And third of all, if he's alive and he has money, does he want to share it? But God is alive. And he has money. And he wants to share it. And we'll be okay. And not too long after the story goes that a a, a platoon of the army was traveling through town and they started researching where they could keep some stuff. And a certain general knocks on this Jew's door and says, I have a box of, you know, precious things and I need you to watch over it. If I don't return within 30 days, that means I've been killed in battle and you could keep it for yourself. So the Jew doesn't touch it. Obviously, 30 days later, the general never comes back, waits a few days, waits a few days. Finally, he cautiously opens the box, and he sees this untold wealth in the box. Doesn't know what to do. So he goes to the site. He's going to go travel to his master, his Hasidic master, his teacher. And he travels, and he shows up to his teacher's home, to his Rebbe's home, and in the shtetl, and he walks across the doorstep. And at that moment, he hears the voice of a Rebbe looking at him and saying, God is alive, and he has lots to give. And he gave it to you. Go enjoy it. God's alive. And for me, this story, which seems to be a bit counter to what we're talking about till now, about, you know, that we we have to do our part. But this story, the reason I want to share it is because sometimes we focus too much on our part and we don't work strong enough on our faith. And this story has always deeply resonated with me, even, you know, when I try to do the best for myself and make make a living, keep the family safe, but to remember the statement the, the truth of this line, God is alive, more alive than any of us by far. He's true life. He's vibrancy. And he has so much to give. His open, holy, broad hand, generous hand. And not only does he have what to give, he wants to give. And when we could work a little more on our faith, a little more to rip down the veneer and to start believing a little more. You know, unfortunately, people talking about the political climate, whether it's here, whether it's Britain, whether it's America, 
etc. And, you know, another worry. And then last week, that's the safe country, New Zealand, unfortunately, had their tragedy. And people like, you know, you just see, unfortunately, so many people walking around zombie, like, what's going to be, what's going to be, as if the world is for us to carry. As one person told me when he saw that I was carrying too much of the world, he says, just give it a shrug. Let the globe fall off. It's God's world to carry. We have to do what we can, but we have to focus a little more on faith. It will be okay. It really will be okay. How do I know? Good question. Because God's good. But how did he allow bad things to happen? I don't know. That's the exception, not the rule. The rule is that, and even, and let me say deeper, even those difficult things were ultimately for the good, which we can never explain. And I'm at peace with that. But this idea of just trying to grab the future in our control and know exactly what's going to happen. How are the 2019 elections going to work out? How's no deal Brexit going to work out? How's, uh, you know, Donald Trump going to work out? Who's going to win the 2020 domination and democratic party? What's going to be with Israeli politics? Who's going to become the next prime minister? Blah, blah, blah. Like this, like obsession of being in control. And this, what the story reminds us is God's alive. There's a God in this world. And, we don't see him by design, but we can choose to see him. You know, often people will say, where is he? Choose to see him and you'll see him in every single detail of your life. Choose to see God's embrace. Choose to believe. Personally, I live here in South Africa with absolute faith. I believe that this place is blessed. And I trust the words of the Lubavitcher Rebbe who said that, you know, Mashiach is coming, that Mashiach, that the Redeemer is coming and that South Africa will be safe until Mashiach comes and beyond. I am absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, confident in that. Doesn't mean there's no struggle. Doesn't mean we don't have hard moments. I had my own terrible break-in less than a year ago almost exactly a year ago, I had a gun to my head. Two hours, two and a half hours. But God's alive, and it will be okay, and we are okay, thank God. And it's, we need to stop trying to be so much in control. Whatever God wants happens anyway the good and the stuff that don't seem so good. But if we can let go of our obsession to know the future, which we always get wrong anyway, and we just let go and believe that there's a God who runs this world, Mani Ga'ilam, God is the ruler and the controller and, and fully involved in everything that goes on. And the Ebishter is good and God is good we can then just live a little more peacefully, a little less anxiety, a little less paranoia, waiting for the other shoe to drop, waiting for the next evil thing to happen. We can't live like that. First of all, it's not worth it. It's ridiculous. It's counterproductive. We only have, I don't know, 90, 100 years on this planet and we spend so much of it in fear. We're all going to die anyway. <laughs> Sorry, that's like a very optimistic thought. But please, Gamashiach comes and we're not going to. 
But this idea of living so much of our life in fear and paranoia and a sense of control, just let go. Do what you can, but at the same time, let go. Throw it unto God. The Jews did what they could in the Purim story, and then God did more than we could ever imagine. God's alive. Question is, are we? This is 101.9, Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9, Chai FM. So in 28, 29 hours, Purim begins. And the 24 hours, the happiest 24 hours of the year. And each and every one of us, if we're looking for excuses why not to be happy, we can find excuses why not to be happy. And each and every one of us, if we're looking for a good reason to be happy, can find numerous reasons to be happy. And the question we have to ask ourselves this Purim, the one day a year that God tells us you need to be happy, ask ourselves, can we let go? Can we let go for our false sense of control? Can we let go of what we think is going on and just allow Hashem to do His thing? Can we just let go of thinking that we are the be-all and end-all and that the politicians have the answers or the economists have the answers or the cynics have the answers We can barely figure out what's going on today, let alone trying to predict what happened tomorrow. But one thing I do know is there will be a tomorrow, and it's going to be okay. Why? Because God's good. And Purim calls upon us to just rip the veneer, rip that farce that makes us feel that this world is just a jungle. Rip through that farce that makes us feel that we're just alone and there's a God in the heavens. There's not a God in the heavens. There's a God everywhere. Everything. Every episode in our life. And Purim has an incredible energy. It has special mitzvahs. Hear the Megillah. Read the story with open eyes. Fresh eyes. On Thursday, on Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Give gifts to the poor. Build your friendship by sharing gifts to the friends. Mishloch, Manot, beautiful, you know, baskets of food. And party away. So does Purim, the fourth mitzvah. Celebrate. Party. Celebrate who you are. Celebrate to be alive. Celebrate your faith. Celebrate your family. Celebrate the privilege of being alive today, 2019. Tuf Shin This Purim. Celebrate. Let's not sit there feeling sorry for ourselves as if we've been shortchanged by life. Oh, yes, we've all had our challenges. But we've been given life. And we have been blessed to be alive in today's day and age. And it's a blessing every day we wake up. And no, we have not been shortchanged. And it's an incredible time to be alive. And Purim is the time to let go. Just let go. Shrug. And give the globe back to God. Remember that he's running it. And he just wants us to partner and do what we can. But the outcome is totally in his control. And he'll be, he'll do 
the right thing, of course. Wishing you all Chag Sameach, a happy Purim. May we all be blessed with an incredible Purim. May we all let go. Do the mitzvahs of the day. Have the most fun time ever. And please, God, I'll see you next week here, live, 101.9 Chai FM. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Fabrengen. Thank you, Chai FM. Chag Sameach.